Today's scripture reading is John chapter 21, verses 1 through 14. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the two sons of Zebedee, and the two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put, out, put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was the third time that Jesus revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word. Well, what now? What now? That is a common question after the emotional roller coaster of a significant event. We are quick to want to get busy, to find out what is uh, next. I am too often guilty of such thinking. Look, we just finished with with Easter, and it was a glorious Sunday celebrating the resurrection of our Lord and seeing us all packed and gathered in here, lifting our voices in praise and celebration of our risen Lord. But, but just as quickly as that ended, I am thinking, I'm on to the next. What's, what's next? VBS is next. And so I'm already thinking about VBS. I'm guilty of it. When things slow down, we begin to wonder what's next. I imagine that was the question that was swirling in the thoughts of the disciples as they sat by the Sea of Tiberias or the, the Sea of Galilee. Perhaps you know it better as that. Now, now what do we do was perhaps going, swirling through their, their thoughts. What they were unaware of was that there was still more Jesus needed to teach them. And still more, he wanted to leave with them. And, and so as we enter into the final chapter of John's gospel, we have a sort of last words of Jesus to his disciples. You see, the last time, you remember the last time we were in the book of John, Jesus had just revealed himself for a second time to his disciples after the resurrection. Thomas, if you remember, had not been there 
uh, the first time that Jesus appeared. And so when the di disciples come to him and say, look, look, Jesus is risen. We have seen the risen Lord. Thomas doubted and said that he would not believe until he was able to touch his nail-pierced nail uh, hands or touch his, uh, his spear, the, the side, his side that was, that was pierced with a spear. Jesus was, was gracious to Thomas. He was gracious to Thomas and, and calmed his fears and his doubts and, and, and by showing up in their midst and allowing him to do what he requested. Thomas doubted, but then Thomas said, my Lord and my God. Well, our text this morning is concerned with what happened next. We, we know that because of how it opens up. John records after this. Well, the question is, after what? Well, after Jesus had been raised on the first day of the week and revealed himself to his disciples, and then seven days later he revealed himself again, after all that, John says, Jesus showed up again. Well, once, once more... Here is the Apostle Paul's commentary in 1 Corinthians 15 being played out again before our eyes and even before the disciples' eyes, right? In 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 6, where, where Paul once again rehearses the importance of the gospel where he says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And then here is what we see being played out and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 other brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. So, so that's what we're seeing here being played out for us. Paul was driving home the point that the resurrection of Jesus was a real historical event that could be attested to by people who not only saw Jesus, but met with him and even ate with him. And so, John in his gospel is giving testimony to these various appearances. He has recorded them in succession, one after the other. And our text this morning is taken up with the third appearance to Jesus of Jesus to his disciples after the resurrection. And this specific appearance, you see, it's a little bit different than the others. It is full of detail, which means the author is communicating that this is an even more credible testimony. This is what you do. That is what you do when you want people to know what you, what you are saying is really true. You provide more detail so as to convince them it really happened or, or help them see you were really there, right? And that is what John does. You have a, you have a specific location. They, they are on the shore by the Sea of Galilee. You, you have the, the names and the, the number of those who were present. There's not just one person there, but there were multiple people there, multiple disciples there, named by John. You have the time of day recorded. We hear that it was evening, and then, and then, and then it was morning. 
You have the activity of what they were engaged in. They were there on the Sea of Galilee fishing. You have the number, the exact number of fish they were able to haul in, 153. All this detail to once again authenticate, to, to, to communicate this really did happen. So with all this detail, with the recording of these various appearances and, and multiple appearances, it, it, it's appropriate to ask, why, why do all this? Why, why record all of these appearances and the, and, and the detail? Why the detail and the emphasis on them? Well, as Pastor Tony mentioned a few weeks ago, the disciples would be the one that would, ones that would carry the message of the death burial and resurrection of Jesus. It would be their testimony upon which the church would be established and, and, and would be built, and therefore Jesus was making it clear to them that he was alive. Their, their testimony wouldn't be based on one interaction, but multiple encounters with the risen Lord. Uh, they could go to Thomas, and Thomas could say, look, look, I touched him. I, I saw him, but not only saw did I see him, I touched him. I saw and touched his, his nail-scarred hands. This would be the, the message that they would preach. It, it was to authenticate that message. But I also believe that there is another reason for the countless appearances and encounters. They were to demonstrate the self-revelatory nature of Jesus. What do I mean? Well, I mean people didn't just discover Jesus. He revealed himself to them, particularly after the resurrection. After, you, you, you remember, you remember after Mary, Peter, and John discovered the empty tomb, they, they did not go on a mission, like a, a search, they didn't put out a search party looking for Jesus. Peter and the other disciples, they, they went and hid, and, and Mary began to weep because she thought Jesus had been, his body has been stolen. You, wonder, you ever wonder why they didn't go searching for Jesus after, after they saw that the tomb was empty? Well, perhaps they were scared that, that if they found, if they, it was made known that they were searching for Jesus, that they would come, the officials would come and, and, and find them. Maybe they didn't know where to look. They thought somebody stole the body, so where are we going to go to look to find the body? What is perhaps more accurate is that they didn't go looking for Jesus because Jesus wasn't hiding. Jesus was not hiding. Jesus revealed himself to Mary, and he revealed himself to the disciples. Listen, each of the appearances of Jesus after the resurrection did not occur because people went looking for him. No, each time Jesus showed up and revealed himself to them. Mary, you remember, stood outside the tomb weeping, until she heard somebody call out to her and asked her why she was weeping. She thought it was a gardener until Jesus revealed himself to her, and then she knew it was the Lord. In Luke 24, the disciples are on the road to Emmaus, 
and they were distraught over the events that, that had taken place over the last few days. And Luke says that while they were walking and talking, Jesus himself drew near to them. They too did not recognize him until Jesus revealed himself to them over a meal. Then there are the two encounters that John records for us where the disciples are in a room, in a locked room, fearing for their lives, distraught with grief over the, 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 the death of Jesus. And who shows up in the midst of them but Jesus? They weren't looking for him. He showed up in the midst of them and revealed himself to them. Jesus' revelations were always initiated by him. This is instructive for us because we often use language like, I found Jesus. Or, or I went seeking for Jesus and discovered him. Now, I, I don't mean to discredit your experience. <laughs> that, that might be your experience. It may have, but here's the deal, it may have appeared as though you found Jesus, but in reality, Jesus found you. <laughs> Listen, the, the Bible is clear in, in Romans 3 and 11. No one understands. No one seeks for God. Listen, Jesus is not lost. We are the ones who are lost and need to be found. We are the ones who are blind and need eyes to see. We are dead without the ability to respond to Christ. But, but that's what makes grace so amazing, right? Jesus finds us and reveals himself to us. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I, I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. I didn't do that on my own. Jesus found me. Jesus found us, and he reveals himself to us. Do you know what's even... Even worse, the way we talk about these things, sadly, even when we are found and given eyes to see, our circumstances often cause us to assume that Jesus is distant or that he is not there. That we, that we have to go searching for him. Oh, don't fall for the lie. Proverbs 18, 24 says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Jesus wasn't hiding from the disciples. He wasn't playing hide and seek with them. No, Jesus took the initiative and showed up. He always shows up because he is always there. Jesus showed up. And it would be no different in this third appearance. Uh, the, the, the disciples are now back in Galilee. And you must understand that this was under the instruction of the Lord, he, of Jesus. He told them that to, to go ahead uh, to Galilee and that he would meet them there. But there they are on the shore, and they're not sure what to do or, or what is to happen. What, what now, they are probably asking. 
You see, they had yet to receive their commissioning uh, from the Lord. And in fact, they don't even know what is coming. You know, Jesus had breathed Holy Spirit upon them, and he did tell them that, 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 that they would uh, be forgiving sins, but, but they, it wasn't clear. They weren't sure what was coming. We, we know what is next because we have the luxury of knowing what happened next. We have the luxury of our Bibles, but they had no clue. So just think for a moment about their state of mind. Their emotions have run the full gamut over the past few weeks. There was the grief and the fear that surrounded the crucifixion. And then there's the joy and the wonder associated with the resurrection. They must have been, they just must have been reeling. They were on an emotional roller coaster. And so there they are in Galilee wondering what is next. And Peter steps up and says, well, let's go fishing. <laughs> let's go, let's go fishing. Peter had to do something. I mean, they have to eat, right? <laughs> so Peter takes the lead. And the rest of the disciples who are with him follow him. Now John offers the commentary about what happened on the Sea of Galilee. John tells uh, us that they fished all night. And not just all night, they, they toiled all night. And despite fishing all night, despite toiling all night, they caught nothing. But at daybreak... A man whom they did not recognize called out from the shore and asked them if, if they caught anything. Did, hey, boys, did you, did you catch anything out there on the sea? Now, I mean, these are professional fishermen. Right? They've toiled all night and they have nothing. And here is this stranger calling out from the shore, seeming to make things worse by calling attention to the fact that they didn't catch anything. It, it, this is not a, a, a very inviting question. It's, it's, it's like the question I, I get uh, from my wife when I come home from playing golf. Right. How, how did you play? <laughs> you know how I played? <laughs> right? Not well. <laughs> and so the, the disciples' response is just like that. It's a simple, no. No, we didn't catch anything. They didn't even say we didn't catch anything. They said, no. The man on the shore then, then tells them to cast the net on the right side of the boat and there they will find some. Now, now I don't know why they, these professional fishermen listen to this man. They, it's a, he's a stranger to them. But whatever the reason, they, they, they listen. They threw the net onto the right side of the boat, and they began to catch fish. But not just one fish, not just two fish. But they began to take on a load of fish 
so large they could barely, they could barely get it into the boat. They were struggling to get it into the boat. And you could imagine they're, they're, they're just overwhelmed. They're, they're, they're high-fiving. They're, they're, they're laughing. And, and while they are struggling, uh, John pauses. John pauses. And he realizes something. This, this is very familiar to an experience that we've had in the past. I, I feel like I have been here before. John had, you do understand, because in Luke, in Luke chapter uh, 5, we have the recording of Jesus calling his disciples. And, and you remember Peter and the others, two had been fishing all night. They had been fishing all night and toiling all night, and they caught nothing. That is until Jesus showed up and told them to let down their nets, and, and, and they did. And, and just like what they were experiencing that morning, they were pulling in more fish than they could imagine. John, the thoughtful one, realizes this is the Lord. This, this, is, this is the Lord. What a glorious declaration John was declaring. He was saying, the Lord is here. Now, brothers and sisters, this is a helpful account in terms of helping us to understand the nature and character of our Lord Jesus. Here were the disciples, unsure of what to do next, probably still processing all the events, like we said, that had just taken place. But they weren't idle. They went about doing what they knew to do, fishing. They were fishermen. And while they were doing all they knew to do, Jesus showed up. Jesus isn't hiding. He is right there with you. He has promised to never leave you nor forsake you. Just because you didn't think he is there doesn't mean he isn't. He always shows up just when you need to see him. You and I don't have the, listen, you and I don't have the privilege of physically seeing the Lord. But like John, you and I can see his handiwork. We can see his handiwork. Notice John recognizes the Lord after he saw the number of fish that were coming into the boat. He, he, he didn't recognize them until he, he saw what was happening and he rightly and quickly assessed this can only be the work of Jesus. And, 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 and what also helped was that he had seen Jesus do that work before. Brothers and sisters, what an instructive lesson for us. Yes, we do not see the physical presence of Jesus show up, but he, his handiwork shows up all around us. It shows up all around us. So when you see him working, here is my exhortation to you. Call it out. Point people to Jesus. When you see a marriage restored, cry out, it is the Lord. When, 
when you see somebody provided with a job, you say, it is the Lord. When you experience victory over sin, you cry out, it is the Lord. When a wayward child returns, you cry out, it is the Lord. When a, when a family member or a friend gets saved, you cry out, it is the Lord. His work. His handiwork. Oh, brothers and sisters, that is what you... You do understand that is what we want to do here at East Point Church. That is what we are seeking to do. We want to recognize the work of Jesus. And when we see him show up, we want to point you to him and say, it is the Lord. See him. Look at him. He is here. He is here. Oh, Jesus is in hiding. He always shows up. And when he shows up, he reminds us, as he did the disciples that morning, of who he is and what he has called us to do. Jesus showed up and reminded the disciples of who he is. Remember, they toiled all night for fish, just like they had done in Luke chapter 5. They, to they toiled all night because it was common. It was ordinary practice to fish at night. That is when you caught fish. But when Jesus showed up, he did that which was extraordinary. They caught fish in the morning and a large so big they could barely bring it into the boat. Listen, when Jesus showed up, he did the extraordinary because he is extraordinary. <laughs> It was on the same sea that they were fishing that morning, that evening. The disciples found themselves in a dicey storm. And they were overwhelmed and fearing for their lives. And, and Jesus comes up and, and he calms the wind and, and the seas and the waves and he calms them. And then in Matthew 8, 27, the disciples the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this that even the winds and the seas obey him? Jesus always did the extraordinary to attest to the fact that he was no ordinary man, but that he was God in the flesh. And here he was on the shore, showing the disciples yet again, he is God. He holds all power in his hands. He controls all things. And apart from him, they could do nothing. Nothing. They were going to need to rely on his power and his strength. You, know, you see, they were striving and they were toiling all night in their own strength. And guess what happened? They caught nothing. Tri striving in their own strength. Do we... Can any of us, can any of us relate to that? Striving in our own strength and caught nothing. Jesus shows up and does more than they could imagine. Oh, this was a, Jesus teaching them that whether they were fishing for fish or whether they were fishing for men, because there is a, there is a point where this, this is a, a passage uh, speaking to uh, 
uh, when Jesus, remember in Luke 5, told them that they would no longer fish for fish, but they would be fishers of men. And here it is again, uh, pointing to the idea that the, 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 the disciples were going to be fishers of men. And if they tried to fish and be fishers of men in their own strength, they would come up with nothing. But when Jesus showed up, when Jesus was there, then, then they would have success. Without him, they could do nothing. Jesus was reminding them of what he told them uh, back in John 15. Jesus showed up, and he reminded them of who he was, but he reminded them also of what they were supposed to do, namely worship. Uh, Peter, upon hearing, it is the Lord. When John, John, John said to Peter, he said, Peter, it is the Lord. Peter jumped out of the boat <laughs> and, and swam to shore. He, he just wanted to be with Jesus. I can only uh, think that he remembered that feeling he had when Jesus first overwhelmed them with fish. You remember what happened when, when, when all the fish come in the boat? Uh, Peter falls to his knees and begins to worship, and he says, depart from me, I am a sinful man, and declared that Jesus is the Lord. He wanted, Peter jumps out the boat and seeks to swim to shore because he wanted to be near his Lord again. Peter's response in seeing Jesus was to worship, was to worship. Brothers and sisters, that is the only appropriate response when the Lord shows up and reveals himself to you. <laughs> you are left in awe. You are both fearful, but you're also drawn to him. You're fearful, but also drawn to him. Fearful in that you recognize his holiness and your sinfulness. You've been there? You've been there when you see the handiwork of the Lord and you are left undone at his holiness and your sinfulness? Luke 5, I am a sinner. Peter says, depart from me when Jesus was revealed to him. It's like the psalmist who says, O Lord, if you should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? There's a fear there. But also, if you are a follower of him, you're also drawn to the Lord. You're fearful, but you're drawn. Like on the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter is given a glimpse of the glory of the Lord, and his response is, is like, let's, let's set up some tents. I don't want to go anywhere. I want to I stay here. I want to bask in your glory. I want to be near you. I, I don't want to leave this place. You've been there too? Where you've seen the Lord show up, and you just want to sit and bask in his glory. There is a fear, a reverence, but also a desire to be near the Lord. Well, that's what Jesus showing up does to those who belong to him. Reverence and awe, as well as joy 
and contentment. And in Peter's response, this is what he demonstrates. When he heard that the Lord was here, John tells us that he covered up, right? That he he grabbed his clothes and he covered up. There was a reverence there. He he didn't want to see the Lord as he was. There's a reverence there. And and then and hurried to be with Jesus. He he swam, left all the other disciples behind, and he swam to be with Jesus because he was drawn to him. There was joy he saw there on the shore. Oh, Jesus showed up and showed them who he was, showed them what they were supposed to do, namely worship. But after Jesus showed up, Jesus then served. Jesus served. I am sure most of us are familiar with Jesus' words in Mark chapter 10 when he says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. When we look at that verse, we talk about Jesus' service in terms of him laying down his life, and rightly so. That's how he served us, by laying down his life. But Jesus did more than lay down his life. Yes, that was the ultimate act of service, but he also was the chief deacon, the, the chief servant. He served the disciples in the upper room by washing their feet. And in our text, the chief servant feeds his disciples. After a couple of weeks of running the full gamut of emotions, and after a night of toil, the disciples have a meal with Jesus. That's glorious. They return to the shore and find Jesus has made a fire, and he is, he is frying up some fish. And then we read these words in verse 12 that just struck me when I read them. As I meditated on it, Jesus says to the disciples in verse 12, come and have breakfast. Come and have breakfast. I don't know about you, but uh, I love breakfast. (laughs) I love eating it. (laughs) I love cooking it. Uh, pancakes, waffles, and French toast, and eggs, and, and bacon. <laughs> I hear you, Alice. <laughs> bacon, and sausage. I mean, I'm here for it all. I'm here for it all. Now, now the breakfast that Jesus served to the disciples that morning didn't have all those, those staples. <laughs> it, was, it was a traditional Galilean breakfast, fish and bread. But it had something better than the pancakes and the eggs and the sausage and the bacon. It had the physical presence of Jesus. Of Jesus. Come and have breakfast with me, Jesus said. Oh, what an expression of love. What an expression of care, of service. You know, that was the experience of of all those who had the privilege of sharing a meal with Jesus. They came away feeling loved and and encouraged and strengthened by his grace. 
Perhaps, perhaps the most famous example is the feeding of the 5,000. It was, it was there that Jesus shared a meal with a multitude, and, and those who were there were left full and content. They had a meal with Jesus. Then there were those two disciples that we mentioned that were on the road to Emmaus. Who had a meal with Jesus. After Jesus had revealed himself to, to them, they said to one another, Did not our hearts burn? Did they not burn within us as he told us and explained to us the scriptures, as he revealed himself to us? Brothers and sisters, you do understand that we too, every week, get to have a meal with Jesus. Now, please don't mistake me. What Jesus was serving to the disciples on that morning was not communion. We're not going to have fish and bread one day here. It was just breakfast. But it was his presence that made all the difference. Well, guess what? We are not assured Jesus will be present when we have breakfast, lunch, or even dinner, but we are assured of his presence when we share in the covenant meal together. Jesus is not present physically, but he is here spiritually serving his covenant meal, strengthening us in his grace. What happens when we come to the table? Every Sunday, you do understand, we get to share a meal with Jesus. Just like the disciples on that morning. Oh, they were on the shore that day, waiting for Jesus, trying to figure out what's next. And Jesus showed up. And when he, when he showed up, you, you know what he said? You know what's next? I'm next, he says. Be with me. A meal with me where my love, care, grace can strengthen you for what is ahead. They had a meal with Jesus. Oh, Jesus fulfilled what their hearts were really hungering his mercy, and his grace, his presence. You, you, you wonder, you ever in a, in a, just kind of wondering, well, well, what's next? What's next? You're, in a low, you're trying to figure out something just happened. What's next? Go to the Lord. Be with Jesus. He's the one who fulfills, who satisfies the hunger of your soul. Let's pray.